Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it again, episode 127, for the love of the game. Let's nice. get it. Uh. Yo, yo. Life, they wonder, can they take me under? Nah, never that. Nah, yo. Yo, I come from the housing, tenement buildings, unlimited killings, menaces, marked for death. Better known as the projects where junkies and rockheads dwell. Though I owe to it my success, with survival of the fittest every day as a child. I would think I'm a part of USA and be proud. Confronted with racism, started to feel foreign. Like the darker you are, the realer your problems. I reached for the stars, but I just kept slipping. What it do, what it do, everybody. Episode 127 for the love of the game. Back at it, an NBA season is around the corner, and we're actually going to preview this year's NBA season coming up in just a little bit, just a little bit. I know we were going to throw in the Eastern Conference last episode. There were some technical difficulties with my guests, but we're finally getting it cracking in just a matter of moments. Just a couple of thoughts, though, until uh, we bring on tonight's guest. So the Giants season coming off a nice win. Well... They go into Dallas, and they get beat up. And I mean absolutely beat up. Saquon Barkley hurt. His ankle looks disgusting on a free play, a severely sprained ankle. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Daniel Jones was coming into his own, playing well this year, had some optimism. He's severely concussed. I mean, that was actually pretty scary. I mean, he was stumbling, trying to get up. I mean, he didn't even know what planet he was on. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Andrew Thomas didn't play. So basically the Giants season is over. Not that it was really not over before last week, but you thought maybe just maybe with everybody healthy, they could give the Cowboys a game. The the offense didn't look good, and then everybody got hurt. So it was a mess. But on the bright side, Kadarius Toney doesn't look like a complete disaster. He was actually a monster yesterday. But, yeah, Giants season is over. That's pretty much it. Put it in the books. Dunskies. The Jets, after a little bit of optimism from the Jets, they were exceedingly flat against the Atlanta Falcons in London. So you can't have too many nice things if you're the New York Jets and New York Jets fans. New York football is done. All right? It's done. And as a whole, this football season for your boy absolutely sucks. Right? The gameplay hasn't been great. The officiating is bad. I can't win a freaking bet in my picks against the spread. I mean, one in three going into tonight. Again, come on, Ravens. You got to do it for me. I know Lamar Jackson. I've been hard on you basically this entire time that I've been doing this show. I'm not a Lamar believer, but you got to cover the seven tonight. Go out, blow out the Colts. They're bad, so I can at least salvage a win. It's just a mess. Football has beaten me down, and I am so incredibly grateful that NBA season is back. And again, we're going to get into the Eastern Conference preview tonight. But just two things. One, and I was going to talk about this on the Western Conference preview, but whatever, I'm just going to mention it here. I've been listening to a lot of different shows, been reading a little bit to do my preview, to be ready for NBA season and for projecting what I think, what ATH the NBA Oracle thinks is going to happen in this upcoming NBA season. And obviously the Lakers are getting a lot of buzz because you got LeBron, you got Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook is there. You got Carmelo Anthony there. There's a lot of buzz, a lot of big glitzy names. 
And I was hearing a lot of stuff about Taylor Horton Tucker, the guard, the undrafted guard, or I think he was drafted in the second round, that he's going to be this guy, this major piece for the Los Angeles Lakers. And it was NBA Twitter talking about him. The NBA hipsters are talking about him, especially on sites like The Ringer, that outside of Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon, there's a lot of crap on that website. I'm not trying to give people, you know, competitors shine, but there's just a lot of bad. But anyway, so they're talking about Taylor Horton talk like he's going to be this guy. Like, I, I, I can't believe that this is the conversation, all right? He's just a dude. He's not moving the needle for the Lakers. They're not winning or losing because of Taylor Horton Tucker, all right? Everybody, relax, all right? He's just a dude. And the only reason you know his name is because he plays for the Lakers. If Taylor Horton Tucker played for the Grizzlies, you wouldn't know shit about him. So I don't want to hear this. Taylor Horton Tucker is the key to the Lakers. Like, get this nonsense out of my face. That's one. And two, so it comes out to, oh, by the way, shout out to Taylor Horton Tucker. As I was getting ready for this rant, he basically hurts his finger. Uh, we don't wish injuries upon anybody. I hope he gets back soon, gets on the court. But, like, you couldn't script it any better. So there's that. And the second little rant I wanted to do before I bring on tonight's guest, it's going to be a short, short monologue because football season has beaten me down. I don't really have anything to say. Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons has been holding out. He's been so ready talking this big talk that he's so ready to forgo his entire year's salary, like $35 million of that. Well, it comes out today, Woj tweets that Ben Simmons's camp and clutch sports and the Philadelphia 76ers are working out a resolution, a quote, resolution to bring Ben Simmons back, back in the fold. Oh, it's not like he's under contract or anything, but, but they need a resolution to bring him back, all right? They should just trade him for whatever. I know Daryl Morey's going to hold out for the best deal, but it's just time. It's just time to get what you can get, and that's it. I don't think Philadelphia – Again, depending on the package, I don't think they're going to be significantly worse next year without Simmons. They may not be the top seed in terms of last year. They were the number one seed, but I don't think they'll fall further than fifth. And and again, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I just love this story so much on a multitude of different reasons. One, because Ben Simmons, once you start getting fined, all of a sudden you, we're going to work out a resolution. Big talker he is and his agents clutch sports. Clutch sports then things that they can just muscle everybody. But guess what? There's no real deal for Ben Simmons that makes a whole lot of sense, except for maybe something involving the Sacramento Kings with like Tyrese Halliburton and some picks, or maybe with um, CJ McCollum and Portland Trailblazers. Because you're not getting Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons. No one wants his bum ass after, after falling in the playoffs again. I just... This story is is so great. Like Ben Simmons, all-star guard Ben Simmons trying to wield his power with four years left on his deal. Like, get lost, dude. Clutch Sports, you're just not as powerful nearly as you think you are, all right? You're just not. They thought that they were going to muscle the entire league because they're Clutch Sports and they represent LeBron James, but it, it's just laughable. But anyway, I just – Found that amusing because, of course, you knew he was going to come back to the Sixers because he didn't want to miss any checks. All right. Once it got serious, you know, push comes to shove. It's all about the dollars. And anybody who thought anything else was so incredibly delusional. 
But anyway, that's just a quick little rant as we get ready for part two of the episode, bring on a recurring guest to preview the Eastern Conference in just a matter of moments. So I teased it before, we're bringing back a recurring guest. He finally has his technical difficulties uh, under order. He's uh, He's got his Wi-Fi working again, so it's good to talk to him. Mr. Phil Baus works for the NBA, always plugged into everything's going on in the NBA. Phil, welcome back, bud. How you been? Good, good. I'm happy to finally be, you know, back connected to the real world and not stuck watching DVDs on my old PS4 as pure entertainment. That That is... That is unbelievable. Uh, so right off the bat, a couple of things we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about your Boston Red Sox beating the New York Yankees in the one-game playoff. We're not going to. We're not going to talk about your Dallas Cowboys. Um, I thought uh, we were going to Dallas Cowboys. No, we're not going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys putting a hurting on my New York Giants. We won't, and as a result, I won't bring up our fantasy football matchup. That was a little bit of a beatdown in my favor, you know, you know, just keeping it 100. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference uh, preview for the NBA season as NBA season is upon us. And I can't wait for NBA season considering football season has beaten me to a pulp. So first things first, if I said the Eastern Conference is a better conference than the West right now. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? I would initially, I would disagree, but I I don't think it's far off. I think you have your top teams in the East are very good with your, basically with Milwaukee, uh, uh, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn. I think, I think where you get kind of, kind of a little difference for the Eastern Conference is that middle spot. Mm -hmm. You have Toronto, Knicks, I mean, Toronto's not good, but ter- let's say anywhere from the Knicks down to Toronto, um, it's pretty bad. It's, it's 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 not it's not the best crop of teams. And even you have like a team like Boston, who I love, obviously, uh, as a Celtics fan, they're not very good. When you get to the West, you have kind of teams like Denver, <clears throat> Portland. Those teams are better, I think, than than your Celtics. But I think the conferences are actually extremely balanced. I think there's a lot. I think I think we don't know who the better conference is. We might not know till the end of the season. I would I would agree with that statement, but I also think you're shortchanging teams in the um, in the three through say seven range in the Eastern Conference. And and again, we're gonna get to Ben Simmons in a second, but and so Philadelphia is kind of a little bit of a question mark. But Miami, the Knicks, the Celtics, and Atlanta are they really that much worse than say the Clippers now? Uh, considering Kawhi Leonard's out probably for the year, then Portland, then uh, I'm trying to think who else uh, would be in that like middle tier of Western Conference. Um, well, it depends how far you want to go. Like, how good will Denver be this year? How good will you know? Utah was the top team last year. Will they, still be, will they still be a top? You know, will we, Utah win 52 games or they win? 58 game like there, there's a big variance i think for those top western teams i think they're deeper than some of these eastern conference teams it's it's hard i think you talked about atlanta like i don't know how good atlanta really is it's it's there they could be a team that's a little smoke and mirrors from last year agreed and, and like agreed. How, I, was gonna, I was gonna mention that in a little <laughs> bit but uh yes but like dallas like 
Dallas is getting a lot of buzz, obviously, because Luka's the MVP favorite going into the year. But, like, how good is Dallas? Like, are they really, like, better than the Miami Heat or, or right, the Knicks or the Celtics? I'm not sure about that. That's why I think I'm not sure you can really – it's a very good It's a very good statement to, to question to pose is which conference is better. I think, I think where you could end up winning the argument that the East is better is the bottom of the conference. Like, as bad as Detroit is, as bad as Toronto was last year – Houston still has a long way to go before they're anything. Um, and look at the teams at the bottom of the Western Conference, Minnesota, they're, they're really bad. Um, the East maybe has a little more of an upside with those teams at the bottom, and there's kind of less of a gap between, say, the 7 to 10 seed to the 11 to 15 seeds. In the West, those bottom four teams or so are, are pretty bad. But it, yeah. it, it's, it's a tough statement. I don't know. I, I think the jury's still out on which conference is better. I think it's finally we finally have some balance. Yeah, and and for me it comes that it, I would say the Eastern Conference is better because I think Brooklyn and Milwaukee are the two best teams by a good amount, and that's even considering the craziness that is Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I don't know. Considering the craziness, if he's only playing half the games, I mean, Brooklyn Brooklyn probably is the most talented team in the league, especially with everyone they brought back and they signed this off season and all the veterans, they have a great mix of veterans and, you know, people love the rookie Cam Thomas that they got. So everyone's raving from their one to 11 um, roster, but then you could, you know, like in the West, you have a team like Utah who they they're built the same way as they were last year. They, um, they seem to flame out in the playoffs, but I mean, that used to be the case with Milwaukee until last year. So, and then you also have Phoenix who. Brings yeah, back, but the, brings the difference between, with, right. But the, I, I want to push back one quick thing between the difference between the Utah and Milwaukee is, you know, Milwaukee had an MVP of the league caliber player. I mean, he did win, you know, two MVPs before winning the championship and even and, and yeah, in the bubble, it was weird that the flame out against Miami was bad. But even before that, it it didn't seem like their exits were as they they weren't as predictable as Utah's were. Well, because Utah also generally has played in a conference where you know teams were deeper and they were kind of kind of these teams that maybe lull a bit to sleep in the middle of the regular season. Then you have then they come through in the playoffs, like you have the Clippers, who kind of got through the Lakers also have, you know, yeah, you're talking about the late, we haven't even brought up the Lakers yet talking about the Western Conference. The Lakers could still be the best team in the, in the league. And it might, people might not love the Russell Westbrook signing, but even, you know, if it was just LeBron and AD, you'd have the argument that they're one of the top two or three teams in the league. So, I mean, Utah has, has historically has, has faced better teams than Milwaukee has in the playoffs, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, Utah, they need, they need, guys to take leaps like as good as Donovan Mitchell is can he get better can he be an MVP candidate I think that's been an offseason topic for you know anyone who's actually talking about Utah which isn't many people but they need him to raise his game to a different level to get out of the second round of the playoffs because they're not it's just whatever has been happening hasn't been working so far yeah I, I'm, I'm off Utah I mean I know we're sticking to the east because I'm going to do another episode about the western conference but I, I'm out on Utah and as for the Lakers you know, the, the NBA hipsters were telling me that Taylor Horton Tucker was going to be like the linchpin to the Lakers championship hopes this year. Now that he has a finger injury, I, I, I don't know anymore. 
<laughs> hey, he's a G League alum. I gotta give him. He he helps. Oh, no, he gets love, but it's like the he, it's, he gets background to write for uh for the G League success. So I can't complain. I hope he gets better. <laughs> I actually want to ask you about the G League. We'll we'll do we'll do that at the end. But sure. So yeah, I before we get into um, I, I wanted your take on the Nets for a second. High level uh Nets conversation. Now, obviously, we have the Kyrie issue. Uh, we're gonna keep it strictly basketball here, but. Do you really think that Kyrie being away from the team is a bad thing for the Nets? No, I, I don't think it's a bad thing for the Nets. I think him not playing half the half the games is a bad thing for the Nets because ultimately, the more games he plays, the the better. You know, whoever like whoever plays instead of him isn't going to be as good, and it's 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 it just also takes a load off of Duran and Harden whenever you can stagger those guys' minutes. And as much as I think. I don't have the best thoughts about Kyrie based on his time in Boston. And you're a company kind of, man. You're a company yeah, man. I, I, I love it how you uh, you caught yourself. You're he's professional. Still, he's, he's still really good at basketball, and, and um, I think I think we watched Brooklyn last year in the playoffs. They seemed like they were a guy short. It could have been a healthy Harden short, maybe because he clearly wasn't healthy in the playoffs. But I, I think the team the team will kind of the leadership role will come with Duran and Harden, and that might be a positive um, for the team overall. Kyrie spending a little less time time in the locker room with the team and maybe um, influencing others with his mannerisms, to say the least. At a certain point, it's just addition by subtraction because the guy it clearly has a screw loose. And I've been saying this even before the whole vaccine thing. Like, he's got it. He's just got a screw loose, probably about 10 screws loose. And I just don't think he affects winning. Like if you look at Kyrie in all the years that he's played without LeBron, not a whole lot of winning, right? I mean, he had that stretch in Boston where he affected winning, but other than that, he's a losing player as talented as he is. And yeah, go ahead. He tends, I mean, he'll, everyone's going to point to that shot in the finals against the Warriors. Like, he obviously can play well in big moments. It's, it's All just right, hard. All right, but he's for, Stephon Marbury for with carry. one big shot and better PR. I don't even yeah, know that, if it's that, better that, PR that, anymore. That, that, that makes him not Stephon Marbury, the one big shot alone. And he, play, he always played well in the playoffs as well. It wasn't like he only had one good game. You know, he, he was consistently, he takes, took pressure off LeBron. Well, he did what, what a second guy for LeBron should do is just kind of take the ball out of his hands for a little bit and take pressure away from him on offense. But that's what he is. He's probably better, best suited as the second guy. Is he the leader of men who's going to carry, was, was going to carry a Celtics team to a title? No, he wasn't. But that's that the expectations were there because of the talent. Um, but maybe he's not, you know, because, you know, I don't know what the plus minus numbers are. I don't know what the advanced metrics are, but the guy doesn't play a lot of defense when you watch games. So who knows if he's giving up as much as he's getting and, and maybe perhaps it's a little frustrating to be a fan of a team he's on because you watch him play and you see all the highlight reel plays, you see the big shots, you see, you see the, you see the tools, you see, you know, they say in baseball, you can be a five tool guy. Kyrie outside of the size thing isn't a five tool. Let's say he's a four tool guy for for this argument. It's gotta be frustrating to know that he's you have to you question whether or not he's he's invested in this as much as the other players are and and you don't want him spewing nonsense throughout the locker room that's gonna 
impact the team's chemistry because that's if you look at Milwaukee every time you watch well, every time I watched a behind the scenes video of Milwaukee last year or even this year I've seen some stuff from their content day and training camp they're clearly a very together team and that's and same with Phoenix last year it's that's what that's that plays such a big role and if Brooklyn doesn't have that they could fall short against a team like Milwaukee or even Philadelphia Philadelphia you know Philadelphia doesn't have that right now either but if they get their act together you know, team chemistry usually prevails over, over you know, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is the epitome of NBA Twitter and NBA Instagram. That everybody needs to have a quote-unquote bag. Everybody's got to have have a handle and have some highlights. But as as we say in in Hebrew, the tachlis, right, the substance just isn't there. Mm-hmm. And if if he's going to be the leader of your franchise, you're going nowhere fast and I mean as a Knicks fan as a Brooklyn Nets hater (laughs) the best thing to ever happen to the New York Knicks in the last 15 years is that that jackass didn't sign with us I know even if it meant Kevin Durant even if it meant Kevin Durant you think that's still the best thing Kevin Durant I mean look where Brooklyn is now you have to then you can argue that Harden is becomes in play for the Knicks at some point I mean, oh, the Knicks great, roster. Great. All the guys could, that I hate, Kyrie, Harden, can you imagine me having to stomach to root for those guys? No, never. No, but you'd be closest to, you'd be as close to a Knicks title as you have in your entire life. I don't know, man. I, I watched a little pre, <laughs> I watched a little preseason, you know, while the Yankees were getting waxed by your Boston Red Sox. I know we weren't going to bring it up, but there it is. That's the extent of it. The, the the Knicks are, are are doing some things. They're doing some things that, according to Twitter, the Knicks are going eighty two and zero. So it's fine until they go zero and three. You know that, but then then people freak out and and there'll be a down season for the Knicks. But we can we can talk a little about the Knicks if you want because we're on the Eastern Conference. They're one of the teams I actually think will maybe even I think I really like the signings of the Evan Fournier signing. I think it's a good fit for what they needed on offense and. I think they could be a team that creeps up towards the upper 40 wins. If, uh, you know, if, if things break right for them and they play the same kind of defense they played last year, because they definitely have a lot more one-on-one scoring capabilities than they had last year. And that killed them in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, of course, for a regular season, you take pressure off Randall and you, and you find he's so such a good facilitator with the ball. You can still run the offense through him and, and get shots for guys like Fournier, Kemba, and, you know, even some of the new guys, like uh, people love this. I don't know how much I'll actually play, but people are crazy about this Quentin Grimes guy for, for the Houston standout. He's not going to get a lot of minutes. I he, know, but people love gonna him. He's going to be like he's the gonna 12th become one of those 13th fan favorites. man. I know, but I'd love to see him. him and, I'd love to see him. He's the kind of player the Knicks have always kind of missed out on, like a guy at the end of the bench who actually can play a little bit. And I think that the, the Knicks having a depth that they haven't had in years will make them a competitive team, more, more competitive than they were last year. Well, not to go too heavy into the Knicks, but this is all setting itself up for the trade, right? Th- th- that's what this is doing. The Knicks are going to play 10 guys. You know, Tibbs is going to do the, the five starters and the five bench players. The stars, you're, you're going to have RJ. We're going to have Randall. We're going to have Kemba. Hopefully his knees hold up. We're going to have, um, who did I met? Mitchell, oh, Mitchell Evan Fournier, and we're going to have either Mitchell Robinson or, or Noel. They're going to be, one of the other guys is going to be the backup. You're going to have Obi's going to get mitts quickly, Rose, 
and Alec Burks. That's 10, right? Taj yeah. Gibson, who's a Tibbs dude through and through. And by the way, I have a soft spot for Taj Gibson after last year. He's going to get some spot minutes. And Grimes and Deuce McBride are like 12 and 13. And they really like those guys. So it's setting up for if a Damian Lillard becomes available after December 15th, the Knicks have a lot of contracts and a lot of players and all their future picks to go get their dude. Now, um, I just I, I understand that the Knicks are, are in a position to make that kind of trade. And I think you can deal with giving up some of the depth because you have all of it. I just you only get one shot at that monster trade where the Knicks are. Right. I just hope they choose wisely. That's my hope. Yeah, I mean, not, the team historically hasn't chosen wisely, but, you know, when you can get a piece like Damon Lillard, hopefully, you know, I guess the hope of every Knicks fan is Portland is under 500 by the time we hit mid-December, which could be like, very well be the case. Portland's kind of one of those teams that's always good, but they're not great. And, you know, they, they usually, Nurkic is due to get a hurt at some point in some way. <clears throat> and then I believe, I believe they'd be kind of, they're a little more shorthanded on the big man side that if they get also a slow start and Lillard, those trade rulers start swirling, I mean, then if the Knicks could really land Lillard, sure, yeah, you up the depth. But I don't know. It's, I, think that's, I think that's very optimistic thinking to think the Knicks can get Lillard this season. But, you know, as an, I'm not a Knicks fan, so I can't say I'm as tuned in to the hopes and dreams of everyone in Manhattan. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this, not to because we're going to do the, um, our favorite over or under bets for the, for the conference in terms of win totals. My, I'll tease this. My favorite bet on the board, and again, I'm looking at the Action Network site right now, is the Knicks at 41 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest over in the league. Yeah, that was one of the ones you – The uh, easiest gonna, over in the league because – Since we're talking about it, we can just yeah, say we both like it. Both like it because Tibbs has those guys playing every game like it's a playoff game. Now, you can debate the ceiling of the Knicks team in terms of going – far in the playoffs that's not for this that's a a conversation not for today you know that that's to be had in a couple of weeks we'll have that in april when they're the fourth and they're getting matched up again with atlanta and we don't we're like how can they they lost atlanta they're going to lose again how can they guard trey young blah blah blah, because they still they're still going to have the same issues on defense that they had last year but um yeah but we can wait till 41 and a half i think is easy easy i mean it's all a matter of that's the thing with all these things it's all a matter of health right like Assu- assuming health right yeah i mean randall goes down that's the thing they're a team where if they lose a guy if they lose randall i'm not saying they couldn't still win 40 games just because of like you said the mentality of the team and how they play but they're just not they're not top heavy so if they lose randall wow. they're kind of they're kind of in a little bit of trouble to get to that 42 win mark but Randall, I mean, historically hasn't gotten hurt like that. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that he could handle the Tibbs seasons, uh, getting his, like, innings worked up, his innings pitched, maximized. But, <laughs> um, I mean, Derek Rose is still doing it, so I guess anyone could do it. The Knicks starters played over 20 minutes in a preseason game this week. Yeah. It's, 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 a, little, it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm expecting yeah, I mean, good things from R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who gets better every year, and um, it's just weird. I just find it strange to root for a team. I mean, I, I don't root for them, but I, I like when the, the city's better. The city's more exciting when the Knicks do well, even in a COVID, even during COVID. 
the buzz around the league is better when the Knicks are doing well. So I'm hopeful um, Barrett makes a leap. And then it's just strange. Like there's just two lefties, two like thick lefties, like on the same offensive team. It just seems like it would be something ugly to watch and you wouldn't want to root for it, but I'm all for it. I'm, I'm here for the, the dual lefties dominating Knicks games. Well, you know, you're a Celtics fan. Paul Pierce made that kind of leap in year three, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Like yeah, he, he was something. on a, he was on a quick trajectory though. You can tell his he didn't have to do the same kind of work that Barrett needs to do. Like Pierce could always kind of shoot. He could always kind of do a little bit of everything. So he kind of got incrementally better at everything. Barrett, there are things he needs he's needs to work on specifically that he can do. Like I don't think I don't think he can't become a much better shooter. He can't become a much better distributor, but like Pierce made a leap. I guess it wasn't, it wasn't so shocking that he made the leap that he made in his, in his career, even at different parts of his career, because all the tools were there. You just eventually matured physically. Barrett's pretty, pretty got a pretty, it's going to sound strange to say pretty nice body. <laughs> and he's, he, he, it's more kind of, you're allowed that, to compliment a dude's physique. Well, well, let's go. What's wrong with that? It's weird to compliment a guy I don't know his body. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I'm hopeful that he'll get better, and I'm hopeful that, like you said, the Knicks over, assuming everyone, even if they even if they lost ancillary guys, I think they'd be totally fine because they're going to play, like you said, they're going to play hard every night. The bottom, this bottom half of the East is still not very good, and they'll they'll beat teams they're supposed to beat. They'll beat the teams that are. You know the twenty-one teams are not. You're not going to see too many disappointing nights from the Knicks on that those regards, especially on their home floor. Especially on the home floor, though. I will say, as a Knicks season ticket holder, who sells them? I'm, they're not selling like they used to. I think I think COVID is giving people pause, which makes sense. But maybe once the season gets going, that'll change, and the, and the Garden will still sell out. So, from my favorite team to the team that you root for, the Boston Celtics. How are you feeling yeah. about your Celtics? I'm conflicted um, because they didn't do anything really. Uh, I thought well, let me were... tell you, Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons love the Celtics this year. Shocking. Not, yeah, not the most surprising. Uh, oh, Zach Lowe, I feel like, you know, there's no Boston ties there, but maybe he's just doing it to suck up to Simmons uh, because Simmons loves, because Simmons is going to rave about Jason Tatum like he's the second coming. Um, of, oh, my God. Drives me but, crazy. It drives me crazy the way that Jason Tatum has spoken about. I, I know we're on a WhatsApp group together, but it, it's nuts. Like the guy, listen, he's really, really good, but he's not a top. He's not a top ten player in the league, right? I mean, he he's barely making an All NBA team, and he's being spoken about like he's a future MVP. It's nuts. Yeah, I think it's because the tools are there. You you watch him play on offense, and he can do everything. He really he 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 made big strides in going to the hoop last year and, and he makes these wacky fall away, fade away jumpers that you can't really contest. And he's also improved as a spot up shooter, but the place where he's also has not gotten much better is making other guys better. He's not a tremendous distributor or, or creator for others, but at the same time, <laughs> you watch some of the games and when he does give it up and he's giving it up to our boy, Mark is smart for a slightly contested three, one of like nine that smart will take in a game, you know, it probably deflates those numbers a bit, but, but Tatum, you can tell that he, he can get by anyone. He can get to the rim against anyone and he could shoot from anywhere, but there's, there's something missing there that he hasn't yet put together to make him a top 10 player. He's still not there yet. He leaves you feeling a little cold. He leaves you feeling a little cold and I'm not sure 
that Aaron Neesmith and guys like that are going to make a big enough jump where all of a sudden the Celtics are going to be close to the three seed. Well, the thing is that they didn't do is, and they haven't addressed it. We probably talked about this on a podcast a year ago, maybe is they haven't, they, they got Horford back, but Horford's old. They haven't addressed this stretch big man issue. They have, they haven't had, they've had in years. They haven't had a stretch big man since Horford was first with the team in his first stint. And you could tell Horford was getting worse by the year than anyhow. They've, they've had these guys like Cantor who's still there, I believe. And, and well, they had Tice. I kind of think so Tice, Tice wasn't got a, a bad good, rap with the Celtics. He wasn't a good enough shooter. He's not a true stretch big guy. He's a guy who you could make a three, but he's not a guy you want shooting threes. You know, that's something they haven't they haven't really had um, in since they've had this core together. It's 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 and they, they didn't address it. You know, Grant Williams isn't going to become that guy. So what do you do? You you end up playing a lot of the same game, and the hopefully with the new coaching staff is maybe they on offense, they end up focusing more, focusing, focusing less on stretching out the big guys who can't shoot and putting an emphasis on just driving the ball to the hoop and creating a lot of kind of muckiness in the paint. I'm hoping that's what Cantor and Horford do this year, but I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't watched enough. I, I don't know enough about Udoka and, and his philosophies to know what their plan is on offense. I just know it's not going I'm hoping it's not the same stuff we've seen from Brad Stevens the last few years where it's, a lot of jump shooting, like too much a jump shooting. A lot of shooting. mid-range <laughs> jump shooting. Yeah, a lot of jump shooting from a team that's not tremendously good at jump shooting. That's a, it's a problem. Like I would, if you could, I would like like a Marcus Smart a lot more if he put his head down and just went to the hoop. Well, but that just doesn't happen enough. Well, you just paid him what, like $20 million a year for him to go three for 11 from the three? Yeah, I mean, that's, and we'll laugh. Enjoy that. What's the difference we'll get this year? I do think a guy like Neesmith could make a nice little leap, you know, and become more. Uh, and, and I don't know what they'll get from Josh Richardson, who was their only acquisition this offseason. Um, Peyton Pritchard, can, can he get better? Maybe. I don't know. There's there's no name out there. I kind of like him. No, he's fine, but you don't expect him to, you know, turn them from a 44-win team to, team to a 53-win team. Like, the expectation is from the book. With those two guys, with Taylor Brown, you hope they could add to it, become a 50-win team, but that doesn't seem to be the case this year. I don't think they'll win 50 games this year, but, um, you know, maybe Bill Simmons does something I don't. And No, he probably doesn't. Um, <laughs> the Action Network uh, has their number at 45 and a half, which I think is a pretty fair number. Yeah, that seems that seems about right there. And the Action Network, out of curiosity, what do they have for Charlotte? Well, we'll get uh, – We'll get to them because they're one of my best bets. Um, also, 37 and a half. Yeah, I, Charlotte's a team I think that could end up being in the mid-40s. Um, You're also, just betting on Hayward. You're betting on Hayward being healthy. And he doesn't have to play 82. He can play 60. You know, and he's he's clearly had something to prove leaving Boston. And when, as the focal point of that offense, um, just creating for all their shooters and – they have interesting young big guys. Um, there, there's, there's, there's a nice mix of talent and leadership on that team, and the guard play is offensively at least is among the best in the Eastern Conference. You're not going to get much better offensive guard play than you're going to get in Charlotte between Rozier and Lamelo. And, and I guess Booknight if you want to, nice. and Booknight does look good so far this preseason. It, they could fill it up. And I think that that's ha- that's half the battle in the Eastern Conference when you have teams at the bottom end who aren't going to play any defense. Yeah. So I think Charlotte's a team that to look for for one of those overbets. 
Uh, I wanted to talk to you about your favorite uh, moves in the Eastern Conference in terms of off-season moves. Um, you know, major move and and a minor move. But first, uh, we touched on it a little bit before, uh, the situation in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. And obviously, it's come up today that Clutch is trying to have a quote-unquote reconciliation with the with the Sixers. What's the league office... What, what's the scuttlebutt in the league office about Ben Simmons trying to pull this power play with four years left on his deal um, and with, with clutch sports specifically with their kind of um, the stigma attached to them? I don't want to say stigma is not the right word, but you know what I'm saying? Their fingerprint on the league? Yes. So w- what is the league office saying? Because I think it's outrageous that this trend of you sign a deal – get the bag, and then all of a sudden you ask out, and then teams automatically have to send you where you want to go. Like, it's it's nuts. Yeah, the, the league office, has not it's no different than what we've kind of always thought about whenever these requests come in, because it's happened so frequently over the last few years. It kind of is what it is at this point. Like, there's, I wish there was a better phrase for it, but if a player doesn't want to show up and he's willing to get fined by the team, um, he can do that. It's up to him. I mean, obviously sure. Simmons is thinking he doesn't want to lose that money that he's supposed to lose for this. Yeah, all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden he started missing, he missed the deadline, started missing some checks, and then we got to reconcile. Funny how, I, the way that works. But I think what you'll see here with Simmons is, is kind of a threshold for this kind of power move because you can only you can only get away with it depending on how good you are. And Simmons, who has this whole big pedigree, though, everyone's taste in their mouths from him is passing up dunks in the playoffs, shooting 20 to 30% from the foul line and becoming totally afraid to go to the hoop um, in the, in the postseason. So teams are going to call bluffs like Philadelphia could call and ask, you know, what do you want? Call all the teams in the league. What do you want for Ben Simmons? Teams know that he's not going to report teams. know aren't impressed with what they saw from him most recently. And it's not like he's fixed a lot of the, a lot of the issues with his game he still doesn't shoot he's still you know you could you could say you play five on four defensively against him um so it's when you have a is, is it really a power play when you don't get traded no i mean it's it's kind of you're kind of eating crow at that point he's gonna have to probably go back to philadelphia play some games and try to get his trade value up because it did the, the power play only works when you actually have power he doesn't really have any power in this situation yeah, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, you're not that guy, pal, to quote a, a nice internet character. You're not that guy. He's right, not. he doesn't know that yet. He, it's not something, you know, people around him, I'm sure, tell him he is that guy. And he, you know, he's still young. He still um, has a, a ton of talent. But, you know, you gotta got to face reality at some point and realize, you know, maybe I, maybe I have to put in a little more work to get what I want. And I, and I, can't, I can't ever take everything for granted. Uh, I, f- I found it incredibly humorous that the teams that he listed on um, on his trade uh, wish list were the California teams, and he didn't include Sacramento. Just basically yeah. forgot that they, you know, that they're a California team, and and ironically, one of the trade partners that somewhat makes sense is the Sacramento Kings, which I, I, right. I find humorous. No, I mean, I mean, you have to as someone who's lived in Sacramento, it's very much not the same as the other California cities. So I, I don't even think, I don't think he forgot about Sacramento. I think he intentionally left Sacramento off. You don't want to live um, 90 minutes from 
from San Francisco inward towards, towards the land. You want to get closer to the beach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that would have been a fascinating trade if a Buddy Heald type trade with, with uh, Sacramento and Philly would have been very interesting, especially as a Philly fan. I would have, that's like an ideal fit um, for Philadelphia. But I, that's actually, if, to segue, I think Philadelphia is one of the teams that will take a step back. And I like their under this year. I think they will not be the top seed in the Eastern Conference. They will. They'll, they. I think they might drop down to three or four. Possibly, if the Simmons situation doesn't get resolved, this could be. They could be. They could be playing away on the road in the first round of the playoffs. The first, those first two games. I'm not one Embiid. One Embiid injury and ben, no Ben Simmons, and you're looking at a pretty mediocre team. Wasn't one of my best bets, but I definitely like the Philadelphia under. Um, so yeah, so one major offseason acquisition, offseason move that you liked in the Eastern Conference, and one minor one that you think is going to pay dividends. Well, the major one, I, I think it's hard to pick any other one for the Eastern Conference. It's got to be Lowry to Miami, right? That like, I get. It, yep, it, I have. They have There weren't a lot of big, huge moves out there really to pick from, but Lowry going to Miami is, you know, Miami was. The top, they clearly were worn out from the shortened season the year before, uh, just like the shortened off season. And Toronto had to turn the page, and it all kind of just made sense for Larry to go down there, even if it's just for one, two years, to try to turn that team into back into a title contending team, which, you know, he can do. He's he still plays at a high enough level where, you know, on the, the, they're going to be a very good defensive team, as better than they were last year, um, between him, Jimmy Butler, and and Bam, I mean Bam. Bam gets better every year, and yeah, he's. I think they're they're a team. They're a team to watch that will jump into that top four. Um, that could not eventually knock Philadelphia out of there. Um, but I think it's just it's that kind of move. It's sort of the Pat Riley style move where you, you go get the you go get the piece you need to try to to make your team a uh, a title contender. And I think it's hard to pick any other move other than Larry going to Miami. I think. That, that's probably the one that I have to say, not, have not, the not just the conference, but possibly in the entire NBA. Yeah, I have the same one, but there was one minor move that I absolutely loved. I'm curious to know what your minor move is, but well, let me hear I, yours. I, you I, go first. The Bucks getting Grayson Allen to me was that one is, of the five. Minor. That, what? That is definitely a minor move. <laughs> I thought that was one of the best five moves of the offseason. Grayson Allen, for all the shit that he gets from being from Duke, for having the tripping BS from Duke and all that, he's a really good NBA player. He plays defense and he knocks down threes and he can attack a closeout off the dribble. It's exactly what Milwaukee needed in terms of another you know, shot creator potentially to be able to play small. I, I absolutely love that move. I, I, I couldn't believe that they got him for as little as what they gave up. Yeah, I mean, it's a good piece for them, especially if you think about they lost the Vincenzo last year and they kind of were missing a guy off the bench to kind of provide that spark. Uh, it's a very minor move. I don't know if it'll ultimately make an impact on where they finish this year, but it's... I mean, I, I, when you said minor, I thought we were talking like Alex Caruso to Chicago or something like that. I don't think you're going. No, I gave deep. a deep cut. 
I gave a deep yeah. cut. No one's talking about Grayson Allen, and nobody's talking about the Bucks, which is crazy to me. We'll get to I mean, that from, when we talk about the, the <laughs> conference standings. I mean, but, from a market standpoint, I could tell you my favorite move was Taco Fall to Cleveland because uh, <laughs> they'll get a lot of use out of that in the G League and in the NBA. So that's great for them. Well, they, they have nothing to lose. Company man. Yeah. Looking like a true company man. Um, I, I, a move I like that was kind of sneaky. Um, was again, I think going back to Charlotte, I believe they got Kelly Oubre this offseason. Yes. Who, who I think is a, a little injured, but regardless, I think he will do, he'll offer them something. He just gives them more of what they already have, a lot more athleticism, some shooting, and some defense. Um, and I think that that move kind of people like people forget Oubre had some really high, um, some bright spots before he got hurt with the Warriors. And I think. And he I think started out so brutally yeah. from three last yeah. year that it kind of clouds how good a player he is. I, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's great, but I think he'll just he just he's what you want in the NBA in today's game. And to see Charlotte make a move like that is not something I feel like we see often. So kudos to them for actually grabbing a real three and D guy in the league instead of just you know doing what the Hornets do and draft sellers. <laughs> So you mentioned the one team that uh, you think is going to take a step back in the standings from last year. You said you think that's Philly, uh, and we're in agreement there. So who's the team that's going to make uh, the step a little bit of a leap? Well, we've talked we already talked about Charlotte a lot. Um, right. So I guess I'll go. They're not my what, pick, though. Well, my pick, and I'm a little a little hesitant with it, but I think it's got to be the Bulls. Based based on all the, I like their additions they made this offseason. Not none of them their moves are my favorite, but the the sum of all the parts I really like. I really think um, they'll they should. I, I'm a little hesitant about their coaching staff, but in terms of what they'll have on the floor with DeRozan, Lonzo, and Caruso, and they'll just be a lot deeper than they were last year. And they should they should hop into the playoff picture. I mean, the fact that they got worse once they got Vucevic last year was kind of mind boggling, but. I think they have enough around them, and another year of Patrick Williams. Hopefully, he's he'll, he'll develop his offensive game a bit. Well, I, he's I like the that. linchpin to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he was guarding was everybody's team's best player last year. Right, but I also think they have you know now they have guys that are coming off the bench that you can actually play in like in the NBA without being kind of laughed at. And Kobe White shouldn't was probably playing a little too much last year, so he'll get more time. They also got. Uh, they'll have Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench, and with Caruso, like there's, they have, they go eight deep now with real guys that you can play in the NBA, and I don't think they had that last year. Um, I don't think they'll be that. I don't think they'll be. Are they getting out of the first round? Probably not, but I think they'll probably take a leap regular season wise. You, you know, assuming they're going to finish in the top eight. Not that really, the, it's really the top ten now because or top six because they want to stay in the playing game. But do you think they're going to finish like traditional? If you were going by the traditional playoff format top eight teams do you think they'd be in the top eight i think they have a much better shot at it. i think they are they're a team that kind of leapfrogs indiana and, and just they, they they'll definitely be in the playing game um whether or not they get would be in the top eight i don't know they're borderline top top eight but i think they're definitely top 10 see i'm not sure what to make of indiana because carlisle traditionally has done really really well in the regular season and squeezed out a lot of wins from some not super talented teams but i don't know and i yeah. think the bonus is tremendous but I, I don't know i don't know what to make of them 
I mean, they also see how quickly Levert gets back from his injury. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's so good. He, 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 if he's there and he's healthy, then maybe I, I could take my, my stance back. They get TJ Warren back. Um, also I like hurt their, to start the year. I like, I like their Duarte pick. Um, yeah, I like him. But no Levert, if he's out for even three weeks or something and they get off to a slow start, I don't know. I, my, my hopes would be that Chicago could, could leap them and maybe even, you know, should cement themselves as a top eight team. So we mentioned before the, uh, our three favorite over under bets. We both like the Knicks over 41 and a half. You mentioned that you like Philly under 50 and a half. You have one more pick for us. Uh, Charlotte. We are, <laughs> uh, Charlotte was my pick. Uh, over we, 37 We happened to, to get through all three of my picks. Um, uh, I can give another one. Um, if yeah, you give let's me, do if, it. Give, give me a bonus. If you give me the number for Detroit, I will take that under happily. Um, I just think they're still going to – they're still ways away from being good at all. I don't know how good Cade Cunningham will be in year one, but they are – their roster is, is paltry. Detroit. 24 and a half. Yeah, I don't, they could win 20 games this year. I don't, I don't, they might be picking first again next year. Really? I, I, we actually differ on that because I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the East. Um, they might be. I mean, them in Orlando. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those two teams, essentially. So my other one is I've got the Cleveland under 27 and a half. I just, I don't see it. Like, where, where are they going? Got so many bigs. Like, I'm not, down with with sex land even though steph curry thinks um garland is gonna be good this year i just don't like the fit there i i just don't like anything going on in cleveland except for except for who for you know evan mobley has has promised to be like a chris bosh type right so i think they have um i think the key for them will be what kind of development they get from a coro next year um because if he becomes a very good two-way player and you get the guard play from Garland and Sexton that's uh, you know, offensively skewed and you finally actually have some defensive um, player, some defensive-minded players on the team in Okoro, Mobley could help on defense. Jared Allen is going to protect the rim. Like they actually – their roster is not as bad as it was. They're, they're in a much better spot this year than they were last year. Right, but I don't think it's going to result in wins. Yeah, it might not result in many wins, but it might, you know, okay. what, what, how many wins do they have last year? They can get to 20, you know, they should be hovering around 25, 27 wins. The other one I like is, and we mentioned it before, and I guess this bleeds into the team I'm going to take a step back. The Hawks under 47 and a half. Yeah, Are that's a high number. win 48 games. I mean, come on. I mean, they're going to have to, they got a full healthy year from Clint Capella, which I feel like never happens. So they're, they're, they'll probably miss him. I am a big DeAndre Hunter fan, so I, I think they'll get a lot from him, assuming he stays healthy all year. They're, they're a team that, I don't know, they, they don't strike me as this very dangerous team, and they haven't really figured out how to use John Collins. But it seems like everything broke right for them last year in terms of health, so the odds of it happening again. I mean, Trey Young, not necessarily a guy who has an extensive injury history, but he's not exactly the most sturdy-looking guy on the court. So He's 5'10". He's 5'10", 170 pounds soaking wet. So, like, I'm not sure I would have – I just don't – I wouldn't trust him either. I, I, I don't love the underbet because there is a lot of shooting on the team. team is loaded with shooting. Um, yeah, so but, they, four, but to the tune of 48 wins, like, 
listen, I know what happened in the playoffs last year, but the fact that the Knicks are at a 41 and a half number and they're at a 47 and a half number to me is a little crazy. It's a, I think it's more likely the Knicks go over than the Hawks going under, but I, I, you know, that is a, that is a high number for Atlanta, but you know, with it's, it's, expectations change once you have um a big postseason series and i guess yeah that's uh i just think they caught teams by surprise last year and and now i don't think they're catching them by surprise yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see if they can figure out how to get colin involved more and and they're still deep there they still have a lot of depth and if they can get 70 games out of capella like they did this past year i mean they're in good shape and a congo also has to stay healthy but when you when you're two big guys, well, are he's hurt to start the year. Yeah, I'm saying they have two big guys who are generally injured. In the you know, Congo's not been around a long time, but he's been hurt since he's been in the, the national spotlight. He got hurt in college, also. Um, you just can't. You can't if you're with, with if they have to end up playing Gorgie Chang and Jalen Johnson. You know they're in trouble. So if they can keep those guys, at least one of those two guys healthy, 48 is probably a little high, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't know. I just, uh, I'm a little bit of a skeptic. And oh, by the way, the team that I think is going to make the the step up in the standings in the East is Miami. I mean, they were a six seed last year. I think they're they're way better than a six seed this year. I, I, I like, agree. I, th- I think they might take it slow still in the regular season. I think they might they right. might still they might still slow it down in the regular season. Be like, well, listen, we we just don't want. We, we'll see how the standings shake out in the top three. Oh, if we can get we can maybe match up with Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs. We'll take that instead of trying to play Milwaukee. So if we want to be the sixth seed, we'll be the sixth seed again, you know, something like that. I think they'll, they'll try to be, they'll be in the top six, but they'll, they'll be strategic about where they end up. Speaking of the standings, we're going to now project the standings. We're going to go from the bottom to the top. All right. And tell me something interesting about each of these teams. Now I know at the bottom may be a little grisly, but we're going to start with you, Phil. The worst team in the Eastern Conference this year will be at number fifteen. So I go back and forth, but I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Orlando. I, I go back between Orlando and Detroit, but I'll go with Orlando. We're in agreement. And the Orlando Magic. Jalen Suggs is easily the most interesting thing about the team, other than Jonathan Isaac's personal stance on vaccines. But um, I'm more interested he, in Isaac's ability to play basketball than his stance on the vaccine because I think yeah, he's I don't a really know talented guy going to be back i haven't i haven't admittedly i'm not sure if he'll be back not that it will matter for their standing no no it will not uh but I, i'm excited to see jalen suggs play in the nba i think he's a good combo guard and i love watching guys who are like six four six five who are like could just throw it down on someone who's five inches taller than them so i'm excited to see him get to the nba he's going to be a culture changer he's going to be a culture changer i I personally would have taken him number two overall. I absolutely love all the all the things he brings, the intangibles, all that kind of stuff. Now, Jalen Green's a G League Ignite guy. I can't, I can't. Oh, and and, he, and he's looked and he's looked really, really good. Like there, there's, you know, the Jalen Green thing can either go the way of he he can be like Devin Booker, or he can be J.R. Smith. Like you don't know. Right. But I, I Suggs. I think we'll have a, G- a Jason kid like impact eventually. I think he can be that kind of player. So who's your number 14? Number 14, I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
So is that me? Is it my turn to say something? Now it's your turn. Who do you have at 14? Well, my 14, I think I, I'd go back to the Pistons at 14. Um, I had them 13, so I guess we're not that far off. What do you what do you excited what excites you about Cleveland? Cleveland it'll be to watch Mobley and to see if we can get a little bit of a market and Laurie Market and Renaissance. I don't think we will, but it'll be nice to at least see it maybe happen. Um, I think they're also just a team to watch to see what they do with Kevin Love, see if they move him somewhere that's relevant and what they can get from him. I mean, we've I feel like we've been hearing Kevin Love trade talk for three years now, two to three years. So let's see if they actually pull the trigger or anything because they are they don't want to end up losing him for nothing whenever he's eventually done. Um, but yeah, I would say it's, I, I'm curious to see if the Laurie Market and Revival comes to life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not not very inspiring. Um, I will say, besides from Mobley, Isaac Okoro, I think, has has real promise. I'm interested in seeing what Garland has this year, considering Steph Curry gave him such high praise. And you know what they say, like, like you know, players know like who the yeah. next guy is. So I'm curious to see what what's happening there. But I don't think they're going to be very good. But I also don't think – I don't think they're a complete disaster. Like, I just they, – they don't have a balanced roster. You know, way too many fours and fives. Um, you got Garland and Sexton, I think, that overlap. I think they're due for a breakup. But the cupboard's not bare. I just don't think they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see that. I mean, I go – now if we go to Detroit – at my they're my 14 at cleveland cleveland would be my 13 though so i guess we can just swap them out but um detroit what i'm excited for i'm going to keep the white guy the big big man white guy talk going um i'm very excited to see kelly olenic in another nba jersey just putting up numbers taking names and, and being a force to be reckoned with god there are very few guys i can't stand watching basketball watching he, them play more produces. than kelly olenic he produces and he he's not ashamed to admit it not ashamed to do it no matter where in, he is i'm interested in in cade and i think you know isaiah stewart's an interesting piece and maybe killian hayes turns into something they have too many maybes on their team to me for me to think that they can do well this year i'm not i'm not i'm not big on them but you know at least they're at least they're trying at least at least they're trying what they're, are your expectations? Making, oh sorry what are your expectations for, for cade I, I don't. I don't think he'll win. I think. I feel like we're on a, we're on a path where Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green will win Rookie of the Year, and Cade will have like a decent rookie year where he'll score low double figures and put up numbers across the board. I just don't know. He's not going to have a lot of help on offense to to make him look good in Detroit. Like Jeremy Grant's not exactly the most team friendly player, so I think I really like Grant on Denver. By the way. No, he was fine, but he's just, he just jacks up shots and he's not, you know, he's not exactly, he's not, he's not exactly, he's not, he's not Jason Kidd with the ball in his hand. So uh, Cade's going to have to do a lot of facilitating on his own and he's going to be a little overmatched by some of the defenders he faces um, this year, but you know, that'll be growing pains. And I think, I think he'll be fine moving forward. It's just, it'll be, I don't think, I don't think he's winning rookie of the year this year, put it that way. I'm I'm giving I'm expecting something like a seven five and five kind of year seventeen five and five. Yeah, I think more like fourteen five and five. But yeah, it's same idea. So number twelve. So number twelve for me is going to be the Washington Wizards. Ah, interesting. I had them eleven. Um, I just don't like. uh, They made the trade, and 
they have all these new pieces. I think they'll be a, a, an empty calorie team. Like you'll see Harrell average, like what, like 18 and 10. It won't matter. Um, they have, uh, you know, Beal, they can end up moving on from Beal at some point. Uh, also a guy with wild views on vaccines, just league filled with them. Um, um, and I, I like the addition of Dinwiddie, but let's see what he can be after his, you know, pretty bad injury. And year, a year two of Hachimura, I actually like Hachimura a bit as a player. If he could extend his range to three point line, um, he'd be a really interesting prospect. So let's see if he comes along that way. But I, I mean, they just have a, they're just a team of a lot of mediocre players. I don't, I don't really see them doing a lot this year. I, I, most interesting guy for me to watch will probably be Hachimura. Well, I have them at 11 because I do think they have a lot of NBA players. I do think they have like NBA rotational guys, just not like upper echelon rotational guys. Like KCP, he's been in big games, right? So he's a vet. I think Dimwitty can help them. I mean, I don't think it's going to be enough to get them in the playing game. I had them at 11. I have Toronto at 12. See, I would and- swap Toronto. I-, I think we get some leaps from some of the Toronto guys. Like it's, as good as um, they have been, I think Van Fleet gets even better this year. I think Anuobi is a guy who kind of gets slept on a little bit, and I think he'll have a much better year. And uh, I think Siakam reinvents himself a little bit, and, and they kind of bounce back. I think, I mean, if you, I'm not there, they're a team that is kind of interchangeable with me with Washington there. Um, they can finish any other spot in the standings, and, and at least, you know, they have, they have young guys with upside. So I, I like that. I like that that's they got going for them. Masai Ujiri obviously has carte blanche there uh, after winning a title, but I wouldn't be surprised if this team was, was a tank candidate and went the other way and moved Siakam and tried to move Van Vliet and just went the other way. I wouldn't be, it would not shock me at all. And I'm just looking at their, at their number here, uh, 35 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an under. I, I would stay away, but I'd lean under more than over. I, I think they just have too many young guys they're going to try to play. And, and like uh, they got Scotty Barnes, who people are a big fan of, big fans of so far um, in his young, very young career. And Chris Boucher has been very good since he came up. They might just play too hard under Nick Nurt. Like they, they'd really have to go the tanking route early, I think, to, to drop in the standings, which they could. They could. They could decide 20 games in. We know we're not going to take the season seriously. But if they don't, they're, I think there's just a little too much talent on the team to, to lose that many games. And, and to, you know, go the other way, to play devil's advocate, to my point is, you know, the, the institutional knowledge with Nick Nurse being as great a coach as he is would be a reason to stay away from the under. I just, I don't think it's a very talented team. I don't think the, um, I don't, think uh scotty barnes like if scotty barnes was like draymond green times one and a half he'd be thrilled but that that's uh i don't think that results in a lot of wins for this year's toronto raptors who could be a sneaky ben simmons team by the way there you go that's another interesting wrinkle so now we're into the playing game territory number 10 who you got at, at 10 10 for me is going to be Indiana, um, especially with, like we talked about before, Levert out. I think he's their most interesting guy, not named Sabonis. Um, uh, their roster um, has, um, it, it's kind of like a little bit of a pseudo 
upgraded version of Washington for me, where they have a lot of NBA guys who are a little better than the NBA guys on Washington. Um, uh, so I, I think I think they'll be stuck in the tenth spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they if if you get a season where Toronto, let's say Toronto doesn't tank and they play hard or they get but like I could see Indiana dropping out of the playing game, but th- they'd be my tenth seed for now. So I originally had them at eighth, and then I kind of. I, cause I have such respect for Sabonis and Brogdon, two guys I really like, uh, and Carlisle is a regular season coach, but after thinking about it a little bit more, I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm with you. I have them at 10th as well. I, I just, I don't know. Too many injuries to Levert and, um, and TJ Warren. I'm not sure they have enough shot creators early on. Uh, to, to weather that storm, the, the miles Turner thing is still going to hang over them. I, I just, there's just a lot of, it, it's, it's not an inspiring roster outside of Sabonis and Brogdon. I like Brogdon a lot, actually. Yeah. I like Brogdon too. He can, he's a guy I feel like if they're, if they're um, really not having a good season, he can get moved. I feel like he can bring a lot of value back and he's not on a ridiculous contract. I mean, yeah, they have they have good NBA players, but nothing, you know, without Levert and without Warren, they're kind of missing that offensive punch that makes them a contender of any kind. Yeah, that that's probably the most we're going to talk about the Indiana Pacers on this show uh, throughout <laughs> the NBA season. Um, at nine, who you got? I got Charlotte at nine. So I, I go back and forth on this one, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Chicago at nine as much as I like them. This is really a point where the teams for me could kind of teams six through nine could finish anywhere in those standings for me. Right. Um, so I'll just go with Chicago at the bottom nine there. Um, I'm very interested to see Lonzo in Chicago and, and playing with Levine and DeRozan and, and Vooch just to see that ball move and to see what, just to see what kind of, what he can do for their offense. I think. I'm a big fan of Lonzo's game. I obviously don't think he's a great NBA player. I think he's just a nice starting piece. And I'll be curious to see um, if his unselfishness will carry over to guys like Levine and, and what they can do, at least on offense. I think, I feel like there's a nice, there's a nice high ceiling for them on offense to be one of the better offensive teams in the league. I'm curious to see what, what, and I have Chicago at eight. Um, I'm curious to see what what closing lineups they're going to play because I think Caruso is going to close a lot of games because they're going to need his defensive presence. Yeah, and they're definitely going to need it out there. With him and Lonzo on defense, that should be a pretty formidable backcourt. And and I said this when the trade was made, and then the, to sign him to the deal that they got, and I know he's a good player, but I just think for them it, it's a weird fit. Like it could be good, but – to pay him then $30 million. I just thought the DeRozan move was weird. It was a little he still weird. Has some, he still has some basketball left in him. And he, yeah, no, I, I get that. But but with Levine and, and – I just think it's a weird fit here, especially given what they're paying them. And they're paying Vooch, and they're going to – are they going to pony up for Levine? Like, he, he's due for a contract. I just think it – it's a it's a weird mix. Yeah, I think I think their their philosophy is that we can never have enough guys who can know how to put the ball in the basket, and you can play DeRozan with any of the guys they added because of 
because of his defense, he's he's still a bit of a defensive liability. You can play him with Caruso and Lonzo. You can play him with as long as one of those two guys are on the court. You can play him together and then play him with Patrick Williams. Um, they, what they lack is a little bit of extended depth. Like you don't want to see too many minutes from like guys like Javante Green and you know Alize Johnson. No, no, Alex. you don't. You don't. But so I think if they're a team that. Um, what, which is why I have a nine as opposed to eight, where I um, have Charlotte at eight. That uh, just they kind of just need their their stars to stay healthy, and and I think they could I think they could just become their team with enough talent that if they play together on offense, the defense will take care of itself because they have a lot of talent on defense. But if they can play together on offense, they're kind of um, they're right in the mold to be about a thirty eight win team, forty win team if they could just play together. For Charlotte, I'm interested. Obviously, it's really going to depend on Hayward, unfortunately, because he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And maybe if he had a better health track record, I'd, I'd put him a little bit high. I put them higher, but I had them at nine. Kai Jones, like he's that guy in the draft that that it can either be the steal of the draft or the guy's out of the league in three years. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna spend a lot of time. I think not a lot. But he's gonna spend some time in Greensboro. Um, like he's a guy who um, they 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 have young big guys that they have on their roster that they're still trying to feel out. But if he can make an impression in camp and early in these preseason games and early in the season, um, like yeah, like you said, like he has a lot of there's a lot of variance to what his success can be. Um, but he could also be a guy, you know, just five thousand twelve minutes that has no idea what he's doing on the court on both ends of the ball. So I do think I do think they'll get a little more out of like PJ Washington and and Jalen McDaniels. And then I actually I'm a, I'm a little bit of a fan of Nick Richards, who's who's not the you know most well known big guy, but I think he's got a solid solid defensive game that's built for the NBA. Um, that. Kai Jones probably still will probably still spend some time on the bench before he figures out, you know, like you said, he could, he could be gone in three years, but they'll, they'll, he'll get a shot this year at some point because there's not too many, there's not too much in front of him to prevent him from playing. The other great thing about the Hornets as a league pass team is their announcer is incredible. Absolutely incredible. What is it? Eric Adams is his name. I believe so. I think. He he's the best. I mean, he makes yeah, me he, laugh so hard. He's oh Terry, oh my goodness! It, like he's just the best. I mean, you, also with the combination of any Miles Bridges dunk, you never know what's um, going to go. On. Like the Miles Bridges dunks are in play every game. Hum so, D. Oh, he's yeah. got some of the best calls. Ah, oh, fantastic! So who you got at seven? I have our New York Knicks at seven. Oh, so this is this is where we start to disagree. Yeah, I think that I think um, this is probably where you get a little bit more of an upper echelon of uh, not upper echelon. Sorry, excuse me, but like six to nine are probably separated by four to eight wins in my book. Yeah. So I think the Knicks will probably. I think we'll see some injuries. I think we'll see some. Um, some struggles for them. Uh, like you'll see Kemba get, probably get hurt. Um, I think, I think they'll still be good. They'll, they'll, you know, being the seventh seed is not 
in a in a much more. No, they could e- they could easily win more games, you know, proportionally this year than they did last year, and move down in the standings. Yeah, so I think seven's a good spot for them. Um, I'm still being a little optimistic about my Celtics and Atlanta being above them, but I think seven's a good spot for the Knicks. I mean, six or seven, but I, I'd probably slot them in at seven. So I have Atlanta at seven. That's because you're bitter. That's because you're bitter. Maybe it's because I'm a little bitter and a part of me died in section 220 after game one of the playoffs. But I just, this Atlanta thing, and maybe it's because I'm listening to too many, um, you know, ringer NBA shows and they slobber over Atlanta and Trey Young. I'm just like, I, I, I don't, I don't see Atlanta being like taking this jump to winning 51 games. I just don't see it. So I have Atlanta at seven. Um, I'm assuming we're going to agree on number six. Well, no, I have, Celtics. Atlanta, I have Atlanta at six. Okay. All right. So I, I, have, I have, I have Boston at five. I think Boston, I think we get a little bit of a leap between the combo of Tatum and Brown. I think we see, and I think we get, I think we get the best out of Robert Williams that we've gotten all uh, so far in his young career. So I, I do think they're, and Horford will give, you know, they need 25 minutes a night from Horford of, of old Al, old Al Horford. I think they can get that. I think they might not get it every night, but he'll make him, he'll make a big enough difference for their, their front line that they just having a piece that can stretch the floor. I think he he actually had four threes the other night in the preseason game. So I'll take that. Like, I, I, I think he'll, I think, I think, I think he'll, he'll help, help them. them. I think he'll help them. And they also got Wancho Hernan Gomez who will help them spread the floor as well. But <laughs> I don't you know, think that's their big no, 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 not a big Wancho fan. No, I, I'm out on Wancho. Um, I'm out on Wancho. I have the Celtics at six, and I have the New York Knicks at five. It sounds. I think it sounds like we're both biased towards our teams to slot them in at five, but that makes sense. That that, that lines up. Listen, it, it it's Tibbs. It's a bet on Tibbs, and it's a bet on the health. I mean, on the depth, and it's a. Uh, so yeah, I I just I just think the Knicks at five. You know, just just feels right. I don't know. I don't know what what it can be, but it is what it is. At four, I've got the Miami Heat. What say you? At four, I have the Miami Heat as well, mainly for the just for the fact that I think they'll reel it in uh, for the regular season. Um, uh, you know, they're pretty interesting. They have. I, I, I'm curious how much the addition of PJ Tucker will help them, but the, I, I think they're. Um, they need. They need. Uh, Tyler Hero to kind of bounce back from not a great season, you know, not the season people expected him to have, but they're, they're, they're very good. They have a very good starting group and they, they're going to play hard every night, uh, except for, you know, nights that they're, that they're resting, but they're, when they, when they give their all, they're going to be just as good as any team in the conference. Um, but I think in terms of a regular season, they'll probably pace themselves more. And I think, I think we see a big leap from Bam this year. I think Bam goes into another level and, you know, probably gets gets that all NBA nah that he didn't get last year. Um, but I think I think he gets it this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Bam. I love Bam. Obviously, I, and Tyler Hero. I'm a Tyler Hero guy. Like you, you saw him have huge games in in the NBA Finals, and I love Kyle Lowry. I've always been a Kyle Lowry guy, and I think he's really going to help that team. Uh, you mentioned the rest. Quick thing about the league office. How nervous are they about the um, about the load management this year? 
Honestly, we haven't. It's not something we've talked about a lot, so I don't think there's a lot of nerves. Um, we might get some to start the season, but you know, teams want to avoid the play-in. Teams are gonna, uh, you know, the regular season's important if you get one of those top six seeds. So um, you saw how it shook out last year. I think, I think you'll get you'll get your same amount of rest. There won't be any more or any less, and we're we're, we're kind of there's kind of a status quo where we kind of know what's going on and who's probably going to miss what game. So um, as long as you miss games on the, uh, at, don't miss, the, don't miss games on the road or a national TV nights, you're fine. <laughs> it, it's really interesting what the collective bargaining agreement with the, what the TV deal is going to look like, but we'll get into that another time. Um, at three, I think we both have the Philadelphia 76ers here. I don't lo- love yes. this by the way. I you think they should be higher or lower? No, I I think they they definitely won't be higher. But if there's a team that we don't think should be in the play-in tournament that may be in the play-in game or play-in tournament, it's the Sixers depending on what goes on with this Simmons thing and you know, I, this is a bet on Embiid being a monster and being available. And, you know, he was available a lot last year. He was available a lot the year before. I mean, he could have easily won the MVP this year. If the Simmons thing goes haywire and Embiid is, you know, misses 25 games, I can see them slotting all the way down. But we don't project injuries. No, we don't. I think they'll figure out the Simmons thing to a degree. Um, And we'll see a very similar Sixers team to last year, though. I don't think they'll – you know, I think we will get a little regression from Embiid. I'm curious to see how Drummond fits in with their roster and how they'll play. Obviously, they'll only play with Embiid off the floor, but, um, you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, they had Dwight there, so it's a similar a similar fit maybe. Um, and also, I recall Embiid and Drummond not really getting along very well, so I'll be curious to see no, what No, that like was for. a weird signing. A weird yeah. signing, especially for a guy who was aspiring to make like $20 million a year Well. I got news for you, Andre Drummond. No one wants <laughs> to pay $20 million a year. A lot of not that guys on Philadelphia's roster right now. Um, but I, I think they'll, they'll be the three seed. I, I don't know if they'll drop. I'd be surprised if they dropped all the way down to the plan, but they, I could see them going to the bottom, you know, to five or six. Um, I do especially. like Tyrese Maxey, though. I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be really good for them. Yeah, I think he'll be. I think especially, on you know, if they don't figure out the Simmons thing and he sits games or they do trade him and they don't get you know, let's say they trade him for picks and they don't, they don't get anything of value to help right now. Um, he'll definitely help them out. I think they're the backcourt, um, the backcourt that they have with Embiid works at least on offense because there's enough shooting. Um, minus Ben Simmons I'm saying this is, this is in a world without Ben Simmons. Um, so we'll be curious to see what they do. I mean, it's going to be how this whole Simmons saga plays out and, if, if they get a piece to help them now, or if they just decide, listen, we're cutting bait. This guy is not going to help us anymore. Let's get draft picks. Uh, see what we can turn that into somebody else. But yeah, I mean, I think three is a good spot for them. I think we'll see regression in the, the, from last year, even from Embiid uh, healthy or no. I just think he was so good. He was such a monster last year. It's hard to, to imagine anyone repeating those numbers. When Embiid's right, he's a top five player in the league. When he, he's right, he's the most important player in the league. He makes that yeah. team a nightmare to, to guard on defense. And also, you, you can't, he, he can't 
box them out. You can't get them away from the, from the hoop on either side. You can't, you know, part of being a good defensive team is, is defensive rebounding. And when they were going well on defense with, with him and Simmons, just clearing the boards, um, you know, it's a shame we might not see that this year because of the whole Simmons thing, but if Embiid's right, they are, you know, they're, they're a scary team, even if it's just him and him and, you know, Tobias Harris doing work. My, my big concern for them though is defensively, right? Uh, specifically if they move on from Simmons, who are they getting back? Right. Because Simmons is a great defensive player. I know I've kind of crapped all over him on this show and even on this episode, but he should have won defensive player of the year last year and beads an unbelievable defensive player, but it's a lot of pressure on Embiid to anchor a really good defense. If you have likes of, you know, Seth Curry and Tobias Harris isn't terrible defensively, but you know, who are they plugging in? to be good defensively because if they make let's say if they make the cj mccullum deal right let's say that he's the guy coming back to philly in a in a simmons trade he's not helping you defensively i'm a little nervous to see what they're going to be defensively yeah i'd agree i think i think that's where simmons has any of the leverage is that he's such a good defender and he makes them alone i'm sure the numbers with him on the court with Embiid defensively are great so that's, I mean, that's, that's my Rich Paul bargaining chip. If I'm, if I'm him saying, listen, like you need me around um, just for my defense alone. So trade me, get, get, get value or, or, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I don't even really know where I was going with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Once you shoot, if, if you shoot 30% from the line and you pass up dunks, like it doesn't really matter. You're not that guy. That's the pitch I guess Philadelphia yeah. is making to other teams, saying, "Listen, he's an all all world defender. Take him, please." Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think take, anybody take, really buys take it, him. <laughs> especially for how Daryl Morey likes to do business. Okay, number two, who you got? I've got the Brooklyn Nets at two. I've got Brooklyn solely for the idea that Kyrie's only playing half the season. If yeah, you're playing the full season, they'd be number one. It's too weird. There's too much weirdness. And number one, we both have Milwaukee, and I think Milwaukee is criminally slept on right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard. They, they, they're they going to win a championship. People are going to discuss and say it wasn't that impressive of a feat, when, neither, when really it probably was more impressive based on they, you know, bouncing back from a bunch of – they played in the playoffs all three of those years. Um, they have dealt with a lot of – you know, they were at the center of the, the protest and – the bubble, you know, they, they, they tend to, people tend to forget that they were the team that kind of got things started there. And that's a lot to take on. Uh, that's the same group essentially that was there. And then they added Drew Holiday and Drew, who was kind of up and down in the finals though, was when they were, when he was right, they were really hard to beat and he's yeah. going to be right. He's going to be right more nights than not. Um, they just have a lot. They just, they have a lot of shooting. They have, they, they're very well balanced. And when you can play Giannis at the five, and not lose anything rebounding defensively. That's, that's just a nightmare matchup for any team. I mean, you're not, you're, you have, there's no five that's going to be able to, you know, when Giannis is guarding Embiid and doing a decent job, no one else can provide that. That's, it's simply just out of this world. And Giannis figured things out offensively. He figured stuff out. He figured out angles. He figured out, you know, just different shots from like there from that game five in the net series through the finals. Like, yeah, he was good. Bef- he was great before then, but he became otherworldly. 
like otherworldly. And I think when teams go through a lot of crap, right, and some heartbreak, and then they finally break through, it's almost like a sense of relief. And there's a confidence that grows through that and that can carry over to future seasons. And I think with Drew Holiday, that's a big thing because you saw it with Team USA over the summer. Like Drew Holiday was their second best player. He was their second most important player. And he had some brutal shooting stretches in the playoffs. But I think now that they've broken through, I, I think that they can be even better next year. Yeah, I think they'll be similar to what they were last year. Um, and they, they're also just a very good, high-chemistry, high-character team. So I think um, they run a good system, good regular season system with Bud that they figured out a little bit. They adjusted a bit for the playoffs. Um, Middleton's still one of the best second bananas in the league because he could really do it all on offense. Um, and they're going to play great team defense Any you know, with Brooke Lopez protecting the pain. And when you have Giannis in at the five, they, you, they, they're just so versatile. Um, I don't see anything, any reason why they would slow down unless they're complacent, but they don't seem like the kind of team that would kind of rest on their laurels. I think we'll see them at least in the conference finals again this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the finals. Nope. They're definitely a finals contender. They're definitely top three, four team. I'd love to see a Bucks Lakers final as much as people want to see Nets Lakers. I think I'd rather see Bucks Lakers personally. Well, I for sure would rather see Bucks Lakers because I, I hate the Nets and all things the Nets. But Phil, say I, I want to thank you again for um for being flexible with the schedule, rescheduling. Uh, I know I've taken up a lot of your time. I do want to have you on to talk about the G League specifically and what the plans are this year. But we'll do that uh, in a couple of weeks. But thanks again for the time. Man. It was always great to chop it up. Let's go no. Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, it's already, I just checked the score, by the way. Red Sox were up 5-1, so it's not looking good for your Tampa Bay Rays. Son of a bitch. Hopefully this doesn't. I don't like, this either. I don't like either of those poorly. teams. God, it's But right worst. now, it's not looking, it's looking good for my Red Sox. We'll end it there. Phil, thanks so much, but I'll speak to you soon. You too. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to my guest, recurring guest, Phil Bows, for coming on. Give me a lot of time tonight to talk a little bit about the NBA Eastern Conference, previewing what we think is going to happen this year in the Eastern Conference. Western Conference previews coming up soon. That's episode 127 for the love of the game. Take us out. Be the best, challenge the best, then the blessings are spiritual. Top of the world for the kid, none less. Popping any rapper's head off his shoulders, no contest. I know the most high hear me. So fly, you can't near me. You scared of a mirror. My theory is that knowledge is power. To every project in every street corner, we gotta get ours now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.